to you couldn't buy there. You had to wait months for. So um, the Soviet economy was dysfunctional, and I'm delighted to say I just got back, as many of the Cato Audio listeners know, from uh, a conference we held in Moscow and. The difference, uh, the last time we had a conference was in 1990, and then we had one, I guess, in 91 as well. Uh, again, there was nothing on the shelves. There was uh, oppression, and um, and now the, the economy seems to be taking off. There's enterprise everywhere. People are smiling. It's a whole different world over there. It's a great thing. Doug, you served in the administration, and uh, he was criticized for both being too hard on the Soviets too militaristic, and uh, he was accused of being an appeaser by the right uh, as time went on, wasn't he? Yes, I think what's interesting is if you look at his record, he was very hard with the Soviets early on, but even then, he was careful at times. For example, he got rid of the grain embargo. Now, part of that was political, but he also talked at the time that he really wanted to have a discussion with the Soviets. He wanted to be able to talk with them, and he very clearly switched course when Gorbachev took power. There clearly was a moment where Reagan understood much more clearly than others within his administration, and certainly conservatives outside, that Gorbachev was different, that this uh, Soviet Union was going to fall, that the evil empire was rotting from within. And they finally had somebody reasonably humane in charge who would keep the troops in the barracks. And there you see Reagan switching course pretty dramatically. And then he was accused of being an appeaser. You know, people who are suggesting that it was all the KGB behind this, that the U.S., in fact, was even in greater you know, a threat because of the Soviet Union. And Reagan understood that that was simply wrong. And I think that's something where we see Reagan had a much more, a much better understanding of what was going on than most of his conservative supporters, that he could see a difference there, he could see a change. And he reacted, he responded, that he had enough. You know, this was not a rigid ideologue. He was attacked for being a rigid ideologue. He was attacked for being a simpleton, but he wasn't. He's quite sophisticated in that sense, where he saw the world changing and he changed his policies to match that. Yeah, he was much smarter than people give him credit for, well-read, unlike our current president. Um, but, you know, one of the problems I had with Reagan, um, and you can only ask so much of an individual. I mean, this man was a great visionary, and, and he articulated to the world the importance of freedom and, and free enterprise. But he was not a good manager. Uh, the late Ned Hutchinson was a friend of mine, and for seven of the eight years uh, Reagan was governor of California, Ned was the appointment secretary. And he would shake his head. He he worshipped Reagan, but he would say, Ed, you don't know what it was like. Somebody, I'd come to work, and there'd be a note from uh, the governor on my desk saying, um, you know, hire uh, uh, Joe Smith uh, for uh, insurance commissioner. And I'd go into the governor's office and say, Governor, we don't know anything about this guy. And the governor would say, well, you know, I was at a cocktail party last night. I met him. He seems like a nice guy. And Jerry Kramer says he's fine. And that would be it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he had to replace his lieutenant governor in uh, in California, he didn't hadn't even met the guy he picked before. So it, uh, the result was, policy-wise, we didn't really reduce the role of government. He was elected on a platform of abolishing the Department of Education, and abolishing the Energy Department, and then proceeded to appoint a South Carolina dentist as Secretary of Energy, and uh, Terrell Bell, uh, Secretary of Education. And Bell, in his um, uh, Kiss and Tell memoir when he left the administration, talked about how um, amazed he was as he was sitting in L.A. International Airport talking to Ed Meese and Marty Anderson, I think, and they were asking him to be Secretary of Education, and he's thinking to himself, do these people know... I actively campaigned to create the Department of Education. 
And of course, you know, once he was in office, he did nothing to get rid of the department. So there were, you know, you can't ask for everything. But if if Reagan had been a good manager along with his vision, uh, we could really have reduced the size of government. I think. I mean, you saw that working in the administration. There were constant bottlenecks because you'd have people sitting at a table with an Adam Smith tie on, arguing for protectionism or arguing for regulation or arguing against cutting government. But there was a very real problem. There were a lot of apparatchiks there who had no interest in Reagan's philosophy, and he did. And that was a real tragedy because they obstructed it at every turn. He just didn't care who worked for him. I mean, he brought a lot of good people in, including Doug. Uh, but, I mean, the worst legacy of, of Reagan, in my view, was uh, Bush 41. Um, Reagan had lunch with him at least once a week for eight years, and if he couldn't tell that this man didn't have a, a ideological bone in his body, then that was Reagan's fault. Reagan left us, I mean, because Bush never got elected president. Reagan was elected for a third term, and uh, he left us a lemon uh, in Bush, and now we have... A double lemon. A double lemon. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Bill Clinton in between, huh? Yes. Yeah, well, I guess when you, when you compare uh, Reagan to what uh, came before and after... He shines. He looks even, even better. He looks even he better. He sure does. Interesting that uh, Reagan came really out of the heartland with no pedigree. No, he didn't have a fancy degree from somewhere, uh, and he was looked down and despised by uh, people because of that. Thought he was an idiot, and yet, as you said, when you read his writings, uh, he he had a command of the English language, and he did have a lot of. There was a lot going on up there, wasn't there? And I can affirm that he read. I mean, on the airplane, he'd pull articles out of magazines and hand them to staff like me saying, check into this, look at this. This is a man who cared deeply about issues. He read, he thought about uh, policy, and he wrote about it. So really quite extraordinary. To some degree, he used the image to his advantage because people always assumed that <clears throat> well, they'd easily beat him. When he first ran for governor, Pat Brown, the incumbent Democrat, thought, oh, this will be easy pickings. I want him to win. And Reagan won by over a million votes. Jimmy Carter hoped that Reagan would get the nomination. He assumed this would be an easy race. Turned out he was very wrong. So Reagan used that, but I do think it shows to some degree the difference in kind of the intelligentsia of America and the heartland. The heartland loved him. You know, this is a man who as a lifeguard saved 77 people's lives. I mean, there's a real person there in a way that, you know, kind of sophisticates didn't recognize, and that's what got him elected. People could identify with him, and they liked Reagan, you know, was a hard person to know. He didn't have uh, really any close friends, and uh, but what can you ask? Uh, the the sense of vision, the principles that he adhered to, is something uh, that is sorely lacking in politics today. There's no philosophical center to George W. Bush, and as a result, the government is growing faster than ever. Um, I don't, you know, you don't have to uh, be best friends with somebody to understand that they're a very important uh, uh, person. And, and Reagan was not just important; he was a great man. Let, let's talk more about comparing Reagan to his successors, uh, Bush one, uh, Bill Clinton, and Bush two. Doug? Well, I'd say that you know Bush one at least was a serious person. I mean, this is somebody who'd accomplished a lot. He was a war hero, but in that sense, I think he he matched Reagan in that both of these people were substantial. But the problem, of course, is that Bush won, though a very decent man, had no vision. I mean, he joked about the vision thing. Now, Bill Clinton cared about policy very deeply. So this is somebody who did care about ideas, did care about policy, but, of course, had you know, very significant personal failings and was quite happy to kind of flit across the political spectrum, choosing ideas and choosing policies. You didn't have the same kind of consistency that you had with Reagan. You know, Bush, too, I think, is, is a disaster in the sense that you know, George W. simply doesn't believe in much of anything. That 
in contrast to his father, he doesn't have the substantial personal background, which kind of grounds you, I think, as a serious person. And he obviously has no philosophy, nor any interest in policy. So at least Bill Clinton cared about policy, even though he got some things drastically wrong, like his health care proposal. But George W., you really don't know where it will come out, because he doesn't believe in much of anything. And how about his predecessor, uh, Jimmy Carter? Well, Carter uh, uh, was all about American uh, malaise and uh, and uh, didn't have wasn't really grounded in in uh, political principles himself. Uh, in a sense, Carter was like uh, Clinton in that they both were kind of policy wonks without a real strong philosophical orientation. Um, I think Reagan looks better uh, in contrast to. Uh, his predecessors and the people that uh, followed him uh, as time goes on. Uh, but it's, uh, it's uh, a shame that the political process doesn't turn up better candidates. This country deserves better than we've had, uh, with the exception of Reagan, uh, during most of this century. Reagan, after the Beirut bombing of the Marine barracks, uh, withdrew the Marines from Beirut, figuring we'll cut our losses, we can't accomplish very much staying there. What do you think Reagan would do about 9-11? How would he fight terror? Would he be in Iraq? Would uh, he be in Afghanistan? What would he be doing? Who knows? I mean, Doug probably knows better than I do, but I I would make one point regarding that, and that's the point about federalism. And Reagan wanted to abolish the Department of Education. Bush has turned it into a vehicle for uh, taking over local education. So it's instructive to consider the fact that on 9-11, at the moment those planes flew into the Twin Towers, George W. Bush was in Florida at a grammar school, reading to grammar school students, promoting his No Child Left Behind Act.